Welcome to Good Words with Geeks and Nerds. My name is Kenny, and each week my co-host Stu and I, along with various guests, will discuss all those strange specific things that make us nerds. In this episode, I finally get around to watching WandaVision, Will Steve Austin Day replace St. Patrick's Day as America's Foremost Drinking Day, Guilty Pleasure TV shows, and much, much more. As always, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform and leave us a five-star review. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy some good words with geeks and nerds. Strange specific stuff. That's what makes a nerd a nerd. If you like strange specific stuff, that's a nerd, okay? Cool, cool, cool. I meant to watch the the final Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer. Uh, I haven't watched that yet. I kind of saw, uh, I think it was a TV spot tease, like final TV spot tease. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to back it up because at the, the end they say original series streaming. And I thought they said entire series streaming, and I got real excited for a second. Then I was like, "Oh no, they're oh they're they're just going to drop an episode on Friday." Yep. All yep. right. Cool. Which we've yeah talked about before. I I uh, again I I think I don't mind going back to that um, on some of this because I do think if it's something very new and very exciting that people are waiting for, it helps keep the excitement alive week to week otherwise people are just gonna watch it in one day yeah and And, then and then then it's gone and they're ready for the next thing yeah and it's oh yeah hey well i had a week off of work and we decided to staycation and we were gonna binge seven series and what can i tell you about him oh i enjoyed the first three and the the last four were yeah and then it's and then after that it's okay cool see you guys in a year yeah right Wow me in a year. Wow me in a year. And and you hype me with a trailer and I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. New season. Right. But I forgot about it for that whole year. Instead of spending six, eight weeks, nine weeks building, talking, hyping, selling. I actually just got into a, a new weekly series on CBS. Um, yeah. Uh, Clarice. The, uh, uh, yeah, the Silence of the Lambs one. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I, I popped out a couple of the, like two or three episodes. Mm-hmm. It was uh, pretty interesting. Doing how little, uh, how are they going about this? Does it take place directly after? Pretty, before? Pretty much directly after. Okay. And her first foray back into FBI work from her mandated time off from the Buffalo Bill shooting, from the Buffalo Bill shooting and um, her time spent with Buffalo Bill and the PTSD she has from it. And is she ready to come back? And the counter half of the uh, story point of the, the FBI higher ups and the, the government higher ups that want to use her face value of, mm, you know, mm. Oh, here's the, the pretty young girl who was in, in the, uh, solved the Buffalo bill case. Right. And, and, uh, she's out on this investigation. We're going to catch us another serial killer. Okay. You know, do they, so, um, f- are there flashbacks? Do they, do they it's, reintroduce it's haunt, characters? Haunting flashbacks. Okay. So far. But uh, just like PTSD moments, more All than right. no. More than, um, do, have they recasted any of the actors to or any of the characters to? Um, not not that I've picked up so far. Okay, so there's, there's, she's not flashing back to see Buffalo Bill either played whether it's ar- archive footage or reshot. Uh, 
it's all new footage okay. from what I've seen of it uh, when they do like kind of tease to him. Mm-hmm. So it's not like uh, like they're using Silence of the Lambs. Stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so they, yeah. So there's another actor. Yeah, and if they're else. if they're using him, do they do you, do you see his face or is it just like no no face as physical like, yeah, body it's, presences it's, it's and body yeah. uh, like. T- you know, cutaway teases of of him doing something, and is is he sewing sewing a skin suit? Is he doing you know a dance with something? Is mm. he he's standing over the the basket with the lotion? Whole, yeah, you know it's 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 teases and and literal like kind of glinting haunting moments. Okay, but they're not like boom. There he is. Okay, all right, all right. I'll give it a chance. Mm. I uh, I mean, I'll I. I I'll watch an episode or two. I um I'm always I'm always leery of these kinds of things. Um just um, maybe it's just because it's lazy. To me it's lazy Hollywood. Right? It's it's interesting though because I get that that oh hey, we have a, an IP that people like. <laughs> Let's just jump on this. But I feel like their approach with it and really pushing through to what Clarissa's mental like capabilities are at that point after experiencing PTSD and then how she's going to be manipulated through a system that wants to use her and can she stand up for herself and her own mental health to not continue to engage herself in in situations that are going to continue to Right. Traumatize and drag okay. her down. So you're saying that from from the character study constant looking at it as a character study is is at le- it, it's at least it's at least worth watching it from that angle. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, That's good enough. I, I, I it's you're right. So I, I get I get kind of cynical sometimes uh when I just like I said, this kind of stuff it um it seems lazy and it's like, man, this is a, this is a 25 year old thing at this point. 25. What am I? Batman. 30, 30. Batman's almost 80 and we still can't wait to see the next movie. I mean, yeah, but we're, we're talking about reinventions of kind of, this is, you know, a reinvention of that, that story in a way of we're we're going to come join that character at a different point. And, and then we're going to look at it through a procedural setting that we've seen kind of before on TV. Okay, so there is kind there's 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 yeah. nuances to it. There's there's there's, ele- there's other thematic elements. Yeah, there's it. a there's a lot going on to okay. it that they are playing in, you know, there's she's solving crimes, she's working with teams, she's, you know, being promoted above her her standing because of of her work on that case, but like she's got naysayers and doubters that are trying to like, you know, put her back down and you know, there's a lot yeah. of thematic elements going on uh, that really bridge out the rest of the concept without just being like, hey, it's Silence of the Lambs. Right. Well, and it's also the other thing you got to be careful of is the being respectful of the source material. And I don't necessarily mean the movie. I mean, I'm talking mm, about the, yeah. the three books that um, Thomas Harris wrote. And I feel like that's a lot more what they're kind of focusing on is kind of like the the book work study of her character mm. more than just like oh well this is just that chapter okay and and this thing you know yeah okay that makes sense i can give it a, I can give it a look 
I'll give it a look. See, it is funny. Uh, you know, uh, as it relates to my cynicism, I, uh, um, <laughs> it's difficult for me to get into, to get into dramas. Yeah. Um, mostly. So with a comedy with a, like with a, co- like a comedy comedy, I'm talking like a sitcom. Well, I'm talking like community or, uh, when you're talking comedies like community parks and rec, the office, things like yeah. that. There is already a suspension of disbelief. Oh yeah. And, and sci-fi like, like, listen, like uh, star Trek or any of the sci-fi or fantasy stuff. Yeah. You already know comic book movies. Yeah. You already know what you're getting into, right? Yeah. I don't have to believe, you know, it's like if someone comes up to me and goes, what, Marvel movies, that's not believable. Yeah. I, I, I would be like, you're right. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. You're right. I, I, but that presumes that I was going into it thinking it was going to be a realistic portrayal of what right. it would be like if these people existed. Right. No. However, you, when I look at, I look at things like let's, let's Clarice law and order, um, my my wife loves my wife uh loves um <laughs> dramas any dramas police procedurals That's uh very common uh, and it and i and i can't i can't watch them with with her um not because she likes them it's just i sit there and i go man this is not what an FBI agent would do, you know? Oh yeah. No, they, the, you're, I'm sitting there going like the lawsuits, the protests, the criminal, the criminal charges of these people, there'd be no one left in the FBI or police departments if they uh, acted like this. Oh yeah. No, there's uh, uh, but that, that, that plays to the, uh, the ignorance of the broad audience. So they want to cast this idea of how they do act, mm-hmm. you know, and it's 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 funny because there's a an old movie when you talk about like how they do do things um, that at its time people are like holy crap the government doesn't do this and it, they kind of had to be like yeah this is all the declassified stuff from like ten years ago so yeah they do this and worse <laughs> but uh, enemy of the state yeah with Will Smith with Will Smith oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Dude, how pro- how prophetic was that film? Because that was the NSA. That was like two years before. Yeah, yeah. It was a. Uh, it was. I think it was ninety seven. Because um, I think ninety seven or not. Yeah. It was. It was. It was late nineties. Late. 90s, uh, it was after. Yeah. So the same director um, did Crimson Tide with Denzel. That was in ninety five, and that movie come came out after. So it's anywhere between ninety seven and ninety nine. Uh-huh. Because I know Seth Green. Jamie Kennedy, that all cast, these that cast: Seth Green, Jamie Kennedy, Scott Con, Scott Jack Con, Black, uh, Jake Busey, uh, um, Jason Lee, Jason Lee, like uh, all those. Gene Hackman, and I'm pretty sure it was a Miramax film, which makes sense why they're oh, yeah. all in this film. Oh yeah, but right? it's, it's like literally that, that was Mir- that was the Miramax stable. Oh yeah, at the time it in was the late the '90s, who's who of like Miramax guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it had, it was, it was, yeah, I, I believe it was post, um, can't hardly wait. It had to have been, but yeah, yeah. Well, that was 99. Was can't hardly wait 99. I'm pretty sure. Thought, man, I have to look that up. I but, uh, literally just watched it like three nights. Yeah, it was ago. on, it was on the other day and I watched I, it too. I, I was uh, like, I was, it was on something streaming and I was like, yeah, three, yeah. Three o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I think it was on HBO max or something. That's, I, yeah. So, that's how I was watching I was it this like, weekend. I was like, man, that's funny. I was doing the same thing. That's really funny. Um, but, uh, 
It's even funnier that I've already got it in my IMDb search. <laughs> 98. 98. And okay. What's the difference? Uh, 98 for Can't Hardly Wait or Enemy of the State? Uh, can't Hardly Wait. Okay. So it would have been almost at the exact same time. But yeah, I mean, we're talking, we're talking a handful of years before. Um, Enemy of the State was 98. 98 as well. Same year. What about uh, one more? Uh, search um, The Siege with Denzel. 96, 97, 97. It's the one where uh, it was Bruce Willis, Nat Benning, Tony yeah. Shalhoub. That was 98 too. 98 as well. Holy crap. So there is this. So my point being is that there is a spate of these films that were very prescient. You know, like you said, these, these things kind of to come. Thing, oh, yeah, they were of things to come, even though they were kind of based on declassified things. Like these are like a, in uh you know in in enemy of the state that's the nsa who's the bad guy and you're like i don't know anything about the nsa fast forward 15 years and you've got a guy who works for them and is like hey here's all the shit we do yeah here's all the shit we do here's all the shit we've done here's uh everything that we ever knew about anything Mm -hmm. oh and um yeah everything's everything's yeah, we know I, we know everything. Yeah, and and that's the funny thing. I find I find a film like Enemy of the State believable. Um and then and then and then the other the flip side is like with the with the movie The Siege, there you know, it was really kind of forewarning because you have the 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 the, the concept of that being New York in 98 um like you could you could tell that whoever wrote that film had a finger on the pulse of 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 Arab relations at the time yeah. because the because it was one of the only ones I can remember in the late nineties kind of forewarning about radical terror, like radical terror and what it would look like on a large scale. Not necessarily what the terror would look like, yeah. what the US response would look like. Right. And you're watching this film going like feeling like you're gonna sign up for the ACLU and be like, No way oh, yeah. would we allow this to happen you know, for this, you know, we, you know, we all felt like Denzel right in that film and we're, you know, Bruce Willis is the bad guy. He's, he's the one that tortures, uh, you know, enemy combatants or whatever and holding them without any, uh, cause. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, tortures them and kills them in in custody and and you, and you're, and you feel like you're Denzel. Like you're like, there's no way I would allow that to happen. Not on my watch. And then just three years later, it's like, Oh, okay. All, you know. <laughs> Where I do think, I sign? I'm right. Watching. The, uh, st- uh, what was it? The United We Stand sticker basically oh, yeah. like was oh. all over the place. And it, it it's, it's interesting how prescient these things are. Um, it's, uh, it's also super curious. This is, uh, kind of probably a little controversial step on the, oh, no. the thing. Uh, uh, the Amazon series, which is based on a UK series called Utopia. They had one season. It just got canceled. I'm curious. But uh, the the point of it was it was based off of uh, kids who were obsessed with this comic book. And the comic book only had like five issues or three or four issues. But each of those issues were like interlaced with secrets of the government and secrets of the world huh. and secrets of you know, planned attacks and planned, you know, things mm-hmm. that came into fruition at some point. They're like, look, if you see this, this is really like uh, 
this outbreak and this is really talking about this genocide here and this is really talking about this here and this here and you know this sort of orchestrating or showing showing the the preset orchestration of things and this is like this came out two years before that happened and this and this and that and uh just kind of showing but they find out there's a second book that's been like written but not produced and there's like a copy of it and they get it and start to piece together that there's this new uh new pandemic coming and the key of the pandemic is the vaccine is going to render a mass population sterile (laughs) okay and then you go and look at the reports of of this this uh covid vaccine and that covid vaccine and how this one leaves you with a three percent fertility rate and this one leaves you with a 14 percent fertility rate and and oh it's cool you can go out in public again and not wear a mask but you're never having but you're never having kids you know oh my god i'll have to watch that and it's just kind of oddly again one of those things where you're like hmm hey i like a good conspiracy theory Uh infer from that what you will i just mean when you when you grow up in the nineties, when if you're an, if you're a member of the X Files generation, everything's fun. Uh, yeah, exactly. You can. It was like, yeah, you're right. That shit was our entertainment for oh, the yeah. for the they had entire decade. That was our entertainment. Yeah. Is two two FBI agents sticking it to the that powers that be? Gunman. What are you like? Exactly. All the- like ever the cigarette smoking man the, yeah the, sm- the smoking man absolutely if that's your generation it's we're nothing cool. without a good because the thing is at the end of the day listen this country was founded on conspiracy oh yeah i mean from the using it as an amoral term just the, the textbook definition 50 dudes in a room conspired. in philadelphia conspired to, to to start a revolution to get rid of the king and the rule of england so this country started in a conspiracy so it, it started in conspiracy and on the bank of entitlement yeah absolutely why do we have issues with both yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly that's funny um but so back to my point about drama film or drama okay so you're right. I, I need to be in my, I need to relax my cynicism, especially if we're going to do this. Cause I don't, I think that me being the ugh guy is going to get old. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty much that I love everything guys. So. Oh, okay. So it's a good balance is what you're saying. For the most part, I'm sure there are some things that you're going to gush over and then I can go like, yeah, no, I don't want to be the ugh guy and don't worry. Yeah. There's definitely going to be things where I will probably just be in Alphon over it and you won't understand. You won't get it or not that you hate it. It's just like, like you just, it's not your thing. It's not your jam and vice versa. Well, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I will definitely try to be cautious of that. But I, and so I do need to be understanding that in their own way, they're coming to this with a sp- suspension of disbelief as well. They like designated survivors, not real. There is, you know, or what criminal minds or NCIS. I get it. But at the end of the day, man, <laughs> and that's the thing. There's it, with a lot of those. There, there a lot of the the demographic that follow those love the fact that they don't suspend disbelief because categorically studies show that most females buy into those shows of serial killers and and law and order and stories of crime and stories of passion and stories of things like that because that's something that they are innately aware of as as a female living in fear in this world oh interesting 
because that's interesting. They have a different perspective right. as a constant potential victim. Victim, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So they associate differently than us, who are usually the perpetrator, you know, archetype. That you know, yeah, we may we may associate with, you know, a cop here, there on a show like that, or a, an investigator, or some criminologist, and find interest in them. But more than likely, you know, we kind of still have an association to the the villain. Sure, sure, I get that. Um, but but ultimately, what 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 bothers me too is is how people can watch this and then how that will like trickle into the real world and act like I I've seen it. I've had conversations with people who think that the way that cops act on TV or lawyers act on TV is it's, the way they've never said it in a deposition. They've never exactly. actually like, like, watched. It's like, Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you go intern for a law firm when you're in college? Why don't you go do that and then go to the federal prison in your state because you have to do pro bono work every month to keep up your certification. Yeah. Why don't you go, and go into that prison and have some amateur jailhouse lawyer tell you why he deserves a new trial uh, uh, for his rape conviction. Um, meanwhile, smelling the clinically clean smell of a prison, knowing that there's two fences 20 feet apart from each other that don't open unless you ask an armed man with a badge yeah. to open them for you. Oh, yeah. A really good example of it is um, my wife loved Scandal. Yeah. On ABC. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Shonda Rhimes knows how to write, a, knows how to get a drama produced. Yeah. Don't get me wrong with that. Oh, yeah. But don't sit there and tell me that Grey's Anatomy is exactly what happens in yeah, hospitals. No. You, whatever. No. Um, but I like, I get, I would get so mad because the character in Scandal, Carrie Washington is a crisis, a PR, is a PR professional. And so that's what I have my, my degrees in is communications and PR. Yeah. And I taught it. And so she does crisis communication at a high government level, right? Yeah. And I'm watching these these shows. I was asked to leave the room because I was just like, that is that never happens. It's, that is not what happens. This is not what would happen. It's funny because uh, my my girlfriend's a dog trainer, and so if there's anything with uh, dogs on a show, like you got to watch it. And Amazon had this like series called The Pack. And it was a reality competition where, like, owner and pet go on a, you know, a, a, what's that? Uh, not Survivor, the Amazing Race style. Kind okay. Of. Everybody yeah. goes on this big journey around the world and hits these things and does. Wouldn't that be things. nice? Yeah. Well, all these dogs are also all these dogs that are pets. They're not trained working animals. Oh, so it's not like, you know, law enforcement people or people who worked in the field of training working animals. They're like mostly house pets. And so they ended up uh, we're, we're watching the show the whole time. And she's like, that dog's having a panic attack that dog's freaking out. Why are they making that dog do that? I have the entire time. She's reading the dog's behavior and watching what's happening. And she's just like, that's not okay. Why are they doing that? And then it was like a couple months later, all of a sudden, boom, Oh, they're they're quietly canceling that because of dog safety issues. Of course they are. That were raised by, you know, of course they are. PETA and et cetera, et cetera. And, Yeah. I understand. But it's, yeah, no, I totally get that. When you have a, a somewhat field of knowledge and you get to see 
like somebody else just bastardizing it. You're right. Like, yeah. It's a little, it's a little frustrating, a little outragey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's definitely where you kind of, that, uh, little streak inside. Oh yeah. Like, no, it's, 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 it's douche chilling. If I have to hear someone think that they know what a courtroom sounds like or no, you know, it, that kind of stuff, or they watch Grey's Anatomy. So they're, uh, man, you should do this or you, you, okay. you know what I mean? It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but I've got to be better about that. Here's a show that I quote unquote like. Not that I like. <sighs> you can enjoy watching. I'm in, I'm not, I don't even know if I enjoy it. Let me let me put it that way. I don't know if I enjoy it because I have taken to on this show. I have taken to um, just get just get me to the story parts. Like it's a lot of the a lot of the show is let me show you sweeping landscapes and rela- and music. There's a lot of like visual. So the show I'm talking about is Yellowstone on Paramount. Okay. Mm. I thought I liked this show. I thought I did. I, and when I watched the first season, I thought I liked the show. Until I don't you realize there's not a lot to it. I don't think that I like this show. However, I have watched all three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> I am caught up. I will watch the fourth. But like I said, I, we, can we just, I was sitting there like, can we just watch, can we, get me through the story. So like I'm, I'm hitting skip 10 seconds, skip 10 seconds, skip, cause I want to get through whatever country song and whatever, no dialogue they're playing right? just to get me through the story. Right. Yeah. And, but I've, again, I, I've, I've felt that and I've never watched an episode. I've only seen like commercials and trailers for it. Yeah. And, and I still felt that those, those things that I'm skipping through, to be honest, if you, in the first season I was all in, I was like, that's beautiful that's beautiful you know montana's beautiful they film a little bit of it in utah as well so i so i'm like i it's a mixed bag of back home and i'm like oh man all this is beautiful and the you know the music is so soothing and whatever and you got and you know and then after that i was like okay i can't watch another drone or helicopter shot of this ranch uh or you know 10 10 cuts of the mountains before you get it sounds like almost like they went with a a lynchian twin peaksy approach but without like the twisted like yes without the twisty the best way i could describe it when i was when i was watching it the other day was it's almost like watching a modern day version of red dead redemption (laughs) right like all of that all that music yeah all of that scope you right. ha- you have to wait the three minutes of the cutscene video to get to the actual <laughs> yes, story exactly. point because those graphic designers were like, "God, I spent eight months on this. You're gonna watch it <laughs> exactly. You'd be goddamned if I'd include a skip function. Yeah, uh, and if I do, you're gonna miss key story exactly, and, and you're you gonna die and, immediately, yep, and you won't know what to do. Um, so it's a lot like that. The all- so I do like the sweeping nature of it. And I also think that this is the first project I've actually seen Kevin Costner in that I truly go, oh, okay, I get Costner. Costner's good in his old age. Like you go, if you go back and watch his early stuff, he's not, you gotta be honest. He's not the best actor. Kevin Costner is Kevin Costner. Is exactly. Kevin Costner is Kevin, Kevin Costner. Costner. So now old Kevin Costner is, is it like this character is sort of like a character that Clint Eastwood could play. Yeah. You know, grizzled tough whatever so so what's what's the basic subplot okay so it is about uh so costner costner thank you costner plays the owner of a of a of a cattle ranch in montana it's a, the family's owned it for seven generations and he runs it with his uh two sons and his daughter you know, three sons it was three sons one of them dies like in the in the pilot so you know spoiler alert okay. 
Um, but it's one of those things where uh, it's that's the basics. And then there are sort of all these story arcs of people trying to find ways to ruin the, the first season deals with people coming in from California, setting up a, a you know, like a pre-planned community for rich, you know, like second home. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like the butt up against his land, um, you know, but then you've got um, competing, competing interest from the uh, First Nations tribes. Yeah. That exist in Montana too, who own the land or whatever. Um, who have claim? Yeah, exactly. So he's got to fight. He got to fight it on all these different different levels of you know people trying to take his way of life. The plight of the white man, right? Sure, exactly. Yeah, the, it's the white man trying to hold on to his land, right? But then you th- so you've got that. But then you throw in family drama dynamics, right? Yeah. And then it's like, hey, here's some cowboy shit, right? And I don't actually mind the cowboy shit so much. So it's like Dallas, but what people, yeah, so there like you go. what people thought Dallas should be should be instead of like a TV soap opera, right? It's like actually a cowboy show. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still, still Dallas. It's still Dallas, right? Yeah. And that's what bugs me about it. Even though I've been compelled to watch it all, yeah. mostly because I I think I have FOMO for this show. Yeah. Um. But uh, it's it's again. I am watching this show completely going this would never happen this is not real with the exception of the like the first nation stuff like this happens on a daily basis absolutely um but like the way they deal with problems like i'm in season three and corporation like the this mega corporation is trying to like put an airport on his land now and there's certain things where i go oh corporations using eminent domain that would happen Right. Right. I get that. But then like in the next scene or in the next, like later on, they're like a bomb goes off and in, in, in like as a way of them, the corporation fighting during, I'm like, okay, so the corporation is trying to assassinate this entire family. Come on now. Like, I think you've jumped the shark on the, on the series finale or the season finale. Yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely gone from like, cognitive storytelling to uh explosive selling. Yeah, and exactly. Not, and I don't mean that like like un- unironically. Yeah. Like I mean it and like you're going to a level of trying to up the drama for sake of upping the drama and so you're going to compel characters or situations or storylines to go out of the realm of 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 kind of legitimate possibility like you know your probabilities of that actually happening are so razor thin at that point that yes it does take that right you know exactly believability out of the show but that's that's the hook line for the dallas fans like right well you know yeah and 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 to be honest like i any anything after that first season is just like that for it's it's i think that a lot of shows have this problem when you start local yeah. And then you maybe creep beyond your scope. It depends on how how it's it's navigated. Like if you don't expand too far, if you know how to play because writers forget that location is as much a character in a story as you know the characters that play in the location right you know it's 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 meaningful to to have 
a scene between Leslie and, and Ron in the courtyard behind Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Like, a, just a quiet moment between them two. Because, yeah. A, it doesn't happen, really, but a, a couple of times in seven seasons. But, B, it's, you know, usually, you know, a real heavy-hitting actual moment to happen. So, you know, that location means more than, oh, just having it in Ron's office or Leslie's office or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, so yes, location definitely does play key. Right. And, and, and you know, uh, I mean, you're right. Um, so much, so, uh, I would argue that so much of uh, a specific character of the show is the state of Montana or the, the, the land. Because oh, yeah. that's, the, that's the crux of it. It's all these people trying to get, it's all these people who think they have a claim to a land or, or can try and use laws to get claim to a land. Well, that's where, like, comic writers, uh, most, most Batman writers who are worth their weight uh, have that understanding because... Mm. They live in a world where Gotham itself is a character. Arkham Asylum is a a character. You know, Wayne Mm. Manor is a character because it has so much depth and history and, and development of its own that they treat so much of that as its own character. They build stories off of it. They build history through it and tell narrative of it you know maybe that's why maybe that i think you've hit the nail on the head as it relates to this show this costner show is maybe that is why i'm compelled because it does the same it does the same thing um for example the ranch is its own character and so there's there's subplots that go on and the ranch itself the day-to-day operations the hands how you go how how some a rancher goes about operating a ranch how we get beef you know yeah. in 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 uh the supply chain of of the country uh the the indian reservation the native reservation is a character in and of itself and the goings on there oh absolutely. and they t- touch on that imagine. one of the other one i never that you know uh big corporations is a character so to speak but then another another uh character is the the state the state government mm-hmm. so like they they but they refer to going to billings yeah, I think Billings is the state capital, right? I believe so. Yeah, so they're constantly talking about Billings, and when and then when you get there, you know the governor's a character, the secretary of state, because there's those are characters who have to interact with the yeah. bread and butter of the state. Oh yeah, and so you sit there and go, oh my gosh, this whole government operation in Billings is a character. Okay. So you can see how the life and the story and the flow operates differently here than when it does here, than where it does here. And it's where the they they the, the confluence of them is probably the the interesting thing. Yeah. That's that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, because there's a, there's a lot of one note shit. Yeah, there's a lot of shows that you can watch that are one note. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, not not to the office is fairly one note with its location. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it does a special episode here or there where they go out of the office to go do something but if you like pay attention usually it's like something major happens when they go out of the office right the rest of the time it's just at the office Mm -hmm. like so that character is so well developed but in in little change of that i feel like parks and rec you know kind of picked indiana as a whole Mm mm-hmm 
but then did, you know, Pawnee and then did the Parks and Rec Department. And like they characterized it in in levels, but they kept enough growth room. Oh, now we're going to add Eagleton in and we're going to merge it. And we're going to you're going to already have remembered Eagleton from when we talked about how much we hated them in season two. You know, (laughs) right? (laughs) I love throwback. We're going to catch up to a joke that we threw away. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. Three seasons ago. Dude, callbacks are the best. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know why I was compelled to watch this. But it's just it. it but I, again, it's the, the point where I'm, I'm watching it being cynical. Yeah. Like, ugh, ugh, I get it. Let's what's what? Just get, get out. Yeah. yeah, let's just get to season or let's just get to the end. I just need to get to episode 10. Can we just get to episode 10? Yeah, I just I just need to know now. Yeah, just tell me. Horse, horse, cowboy, cowboy. Oh, I hate my dad. That, that that to me, I'm just like somebody. Somebody give me the cliff note show of this. Yeah, it, I would. Yeah, that would. It would be yeah. a decent way to. Yeah, it's good because yeah. there's a lot of stuff you can just not worry about. You know, there's a lot of throwaway. Yeah, here's the story. It's like when they do uh, highlights on YouTube of like pro wrestling shows, and they like cut every like. Every two or three minutes, they'll cut like ten seconds out so that they don't get the video taken down. <laughs> right? And, okay. Yeah. And but well, you could just do that with an episode. We're just gonna chop like chop out all the really slow, annoying parts, and we're just gonna give you like the basic story like feed. Here you go. Here's the whole episode in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. You could really do that with the show too. Yeah. Uh, I know we had talked about wanting to start in terms of a format for what we do here. Yeah. at uh, Good Words with Geeks and Nerds um, is before we get into the topics and our notes is just sort of a general how, how you doing how you what doing? what have what you been watching what you've been watching what you've been watching what you've been, what you, what you been reading what, what, you you been, you, what are you looking forward to yeah and quick, so I think quick we did, trailer thoughts or casting ideas or yeah things of such nature I'm uh, being told uh, one other one is I'm being told this Resident Alien show Alan Tudyk's new show on sci-fi. Been curious about it. I love Alan Tudyk forever. Mm-hmm. So I'm being told it's it's really fun to watch. So uh, I might uh, I might have to pick that one up. I might have to. It's uh it's always get good to get a uh, a fun ride. Right, especially and I really oh yeah I mean I like Alan Tudyk all around, but uh, obviously he he shines doing character work. Absolutely, and that's where this is. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um, so (laughs) every time, every time, what, what a nice tale, a nice tale, yeah, classic. Um, so what do you got? What do you got on your notes? Um, I know there's plenty, there's there is stuff to talk about, there's plenty to talk about. I got a few like just fun notes. Um, uh, happy, happy Stone Cold Week. Uh, oh, is it three sixteen? Tomorrow's tomorrow's three sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Stone, Austin three sixteen. Stone Cold Day. Um, and I, uh, I like to to think about the rise of of Stone Cold Day and modern pop culture, and how we celebrate and compare that to St. Patrick's Day, and <laughs> the fact that it's been oh. Six seven hundred years since old St. Patrick's was kicking around the no snakes that never existed on Ireland to begin with, and <laughs> building a legend on a lie. 
uh, it's, it's Stone Cold 316 kind of become the drinking holiday of choice. Well, as opposed to St. Patrick's Day, it's going to be mine have, from here on out. You don't have to be Irish. You just have to. You just have to give me a hell yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No, I'm. I think. Uh, what is that tomorrow? That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. I'm going to need to go to the. I'm going to find out where they're selling Stone Cold IPA. Yeah. I'm going to get me uh, a, a sixer of that. And if if they don't, I'm going to get me a sixer of Steve Weisers. Some Steve Weisers, yeah. Right? I'm going to just <laughs> crack them together, exactly. pour them down. Pour them down. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. Give me a hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was uh, I was uh, in in excitement and preparation, going back and watching some of the best Steve Austin moments on uh, YouTube. Today. That man, I was thinking about this the other day. The fact that he is responsible for one of modern wrestling's biggest tropes, biggest crowd tropes, is insane to me. And I and and how much he hates it. Does he hate it? How much he well, how much it bothered him for a long time, but I think he's come around to to appreciate it. I mean, he would have to, right? You he did this. He 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 did. He did create it and and he still is like there's still sometimes though that the crowd's just like why? Why did you choose now? <laughs> you killed you killed such a good moment. But it's my fault. Yeah, I mean, he's the progenitor of what is it? What culture is that? What it is? Yeah. What I love it. What? 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 Which is which is hilarious because uh, that's uh, one of my favorite uh, wrestling podcast groups is the British boys from What Culture Wrestling. <laughs> I, a, I would have to. I'll have to listen to it. Oh, it's a. It's a. They do uh, daily news videos, and then they do uh, Simon Miller. One of their guys has a. Uh, a series called ups and downs and so he goes through basically impact pay-per-views aew shows uh and both wwe shows and as he says he gives the good bits and up and he gives the bad bits a down i like that that's simple. pretty simple that's very I, simple I it, like it's, that. it's 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 a 20 minute way to watch your way through an episode of wrestling and then find the highlights that you want to go back and watch there we go yeah it's it, i need it, to get it, in on this yeah it creates consumability for people on the go i know? get it that makes a lot of sense um but yeah uh i i i whenever i think of stone cold now i actually think of something unconnected to wrestling um in the early days in the early days of the YouTube, one of the funniest things, I, I don't know why it was funny. You would find it funny. Other people probably wouldn't. People who listen would probably find it funny is the YouTube video of Stone Cold E.T. Have you seen Stone Cold E.T.? I don't remember. It is a dude wearing an E.T. mask ordering White Castle as but doing the Stone Cold voice. I don't remember that. Oh, well, hold, so here, stand by. This is Stone Cold ET, and I just want to order a couple White Castles to go. It's amazing. I'm sorry, can you repeat that again? I said Stone Cold ET would like a couple cheeseburgers and maybe a drink, and I would like to get out of here as soon as possible, and that's the bottom line. Hey, do you want to pull up I can't understand anything you're saying, please. Okay, you want Stone Cold E.T. to pull up what side? Just pull up to the first 
window. Okay. And then it's it's a few minutes more of him uh, doing Stone Cold E.T. Stone Cold E.T. I'm sorry. I find that hilarious. It is. I don't, I, don't, it, it is. I want to order a couple White Castles. I need a couple of cheeseburgers. A couple cheeseburgers. Oh, give me a hell oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I like Stone. I, I maybe like a Stone, drink. Man, maybe a drink. I'll be honest. Um, I was not as, in the era of Stone Cold. I was not a Stone Cold fan. I found the rock more uh, enigmatic and electrifying. Um, I love them both. No, I agree. But, you know, me being 19, 20, whatever, 18, when I just, maybe I just didn't get it. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't get the jean shorts. I didn't, but I get it now. I was also living in East Tennessee at the time. Okay. So, jorts and, uh, you know, camo hats and riding up on the four wheeler was fairly common territory sure. for where I was at. And so like that part of it, the, I'd, I'd also had been, I had family in Texas. So I understood, you know, the Texas rattlesnake kind of, you know, outer hillbilly almost. Right. Right. And it, it was just something I didn't connect with. I didn't understand, but I, I wouldn't, I would be lying if I said, if I, if I said I didn't understand why, or I didn't understand the audience or, or, or was saying that the audience didn't reciprocate with that because man, did they love that? Oh, oh, absolutely! Like I was, like I said, I was watching highlights today of of the best Austin moments, and uh, we were talking about the you know pandemic era of no crowds and wrestling, and it's it's funny that it's a clip from twenty years ago. And I'm watching this at home today, and still the the crowd pop like brings that excited tear to your eye when you're mm-hmm. like when you're watching eighty thousand legitimate like people losing their mind at just the sound of an entrance. Yes, I he hasn't even you. hit the stage. No, and that's to that. And yes, no, they uh, yeah, I they to this day, or at least when I say to this day, I mean since the la- to the last time I saw an event. I was trying to tell my wife this and people who think I was silly. Like I would go if I would check and see if there was WB yeah. when I would be on work trips and I would go yeah, um, because it was really cheap. Yeah, we talked about yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that they didn't understand that, that electrifying moment when you don't know what matches next, but then all or of a sudden you don't know who's coming out right. to just show up in a match or exactly. who's going to come out and talk. And and then either you know the lights go off and the music or just the music starts. Like they, I went to it was a SmackDown. I went to SmackDown in Fort Worth a few years ago, and I saw AJ Styles wrestle live. Man, that fucking crowd! Oh yeah, you would have thought you were at a rock show, and and you know whoever just took the stage. You know, I went to uh, Judgment Day back in. 2002 2003 it was uh right after they had brought the uh nw into wwe okay and uh hogan it was right after hogan had turned on them at wrestlemania and gone back to his like hollywood yellow and red you know uh, hulkamania hulkamania uh here comes america whatever (laughs) uh theme song uh taking it back uh and 
that pay-per-view, I had uh, ringside seats. I got to see... And that is the best. I got to see Undertaker fight Hogan for the title. I got to see Edge versus Kurt Angle in the hair versus hair match when (laughs) Angle Angle got his head shaved. Head shaved. I remember hair versus hair. I got to see Brock, very early Brock Lesnar. Yeah, that would have been, huh? Against the Hardy Boys in a two-on-one when he just destroyed them. And one of the other highlights from that was... uh, Chris Jericho versus Triple H, Hell in a Cell. Okay. So it was pretty spectacular to have floor seats and get that emotional crowd like response. You're talking a full packed out. Uh, it was in Nashville and whatever. Oh, I'm sure even like, that was what, even whatever better. that I'm whatever sure. that arena is. Yeah, there. I'm sure that but, added an element. Oh, absolutely. It's you know wrestling country, right? And and so there's still a ton of you know old school fans and. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, an electrifying night. There is no other word to describe that. Electrifying is the best way. Yeah. It's, it is the surge you get. And, and you, and, and, and even then, you know, being an, uh, an amateur, uh, pro wrestling uh, and pro fan, um, you really can get into it and borrow the energy of the crowd. Holy cow. Can you? Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. You can feed on that for like. And I I understand how it drives the guys in the ring to do what they do because, man, it is it is such you you imagine on the fan side sitting there and feeling that pop, but then you imagine being the guy that's creating that pop, right? And how much energy goes into you, and that explains why guys can do that for three hundred days a year and you know put their physical body on the line to. Put on basically what is one of the best live stunt like scenes you'll ever see. Yeah, and I'm not saying that wrestlers are glorified stuntmen. They're storytellers. They're there's they're, more to it. Absolutely, there's, there's there's a lot more depth to what they do. But on the physicality side, they're they're extreme stuntmen. Like they're gymnasts. Yeah. They're gymnasts. They're uh, you know, wrestlers to a degree, yes, absolutely. They have to know new movesets. They have to know, but they also have to know, like, fight choreography. They have to know, like, how to move mm-hmm. within their realm. And it's yeah. a... But. And then, the and then you know, you you look at the different the different frame sizes and the, the skill sets are different. You know, like, one of the things I liked watching for a long time was, um, what is it, 205 Live? Cruiserweights. Cru- yeah. I like watching cruiserweights because they're... The agility That's, level, they're more acrobatic. Which is which is why so we, we talked we touched a little bit last week on AJ Styles and why you were like I don't get it when 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 you saw him and the crowd was going nuts and the things were happening and and you didn't know his journey and things like that. More to the point of that, AJ walking in the company and getting his shot at the belt like that mm-hmm. is more of a story beyond him being an indie guy making it in the WWE. AJ Styles is a 205 guy right. who made a heavyweight championship happen. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AJ Styles is a guy that Vince would have never backed in a million years had he not proven his star power 
everywhere else. Because, like, he, he, if you look back, he hasn't trusted small guys very often. Right. You know? Right. The, the cruiserweight-esque era guys, you had, you know, the late Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit for a generation that kind of snuck in there. Mm-hmm. You, you had Shawn Michaels in his era. Yeah, Shawn snuck, Michaels. That yeah. snuck in there. But for the rest of the time, it was... Hulk Hogan and and Hogan prototypes, you right. know, which John Cena was for a, a generation and a half, you know. Right. That's it. A big, swole, muscly, sweaty guy that can come in and pick people up and throw things around. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a champion to him. Right. And the inability to look past that and see that somebody with agility, somebody with, like, speed and experience and and awareness uh david goliath and and david actually winning just didn't make sense to him goliath needed to crush right um so because because why wouldn't he because why wouldn't he right right but then you see guys like aj styles who do the things that they do and you're like well that's why he wouldn't because you know he's big and slow and not not as quick and 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 not as 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 feeble you know you know he's a little more shaky on his legs, and and you get a couple of right strikes on your knees, and you take him down a peg, and then you you do some crazy stuff to right, him, right? Exactly. You him down, you know. Yeah. So I I really I really enjoy the cruiserweight guys, um, and what they bring to the table. I really do. That's why I think <clears throat> if you watched uh, Impact, you would uh, love the X Division. That's where AJ like built his name okay was the impact x division and then he uh moved into like their heavyweight game and started doing you know bigger better things but right that was basically that's the classier way of representing their cruiserweights because they make that title like as as on par as the intercontinental title or the heavyweight title you know they just call it the x division because these dudes do some crazy shit man when i was a kid it's funny you mentioned intercontinental intercontinental when i was a kid and i mean a kid i mean six seven eight nine ten i thought the intercontinental championship was the shit i didn't care about the heavyweight belt because you never saw the heavyweight belt get defended Except for pay-per-views. Uh, and they okay. always defended the IC title on TV. Okay, that might be that must be it. Well, and I also remember that the inter, or the um the Ultimate Warrior oh, yeah. Warrior was uh was the IC um champ for a while. And so I Randy I was, Savage. Yes, yeah, yeah, Randy. Absolutely. I so I liked there was there was it was great to watch the idea that the, the belt could change on TV. Yeah. But also the people who were getting it were people I liked. Oh yeah, and so I always associated that with being more prestigious in my head. Oh, it's it's funny how that happens. Um, there are a lot of titles in pro wrestling. Too many, probably. Um, and there are absolutely some that I find more prestigious than others because of who's carried it and how often it's mm-hmm. defended and and you know even down to like belt aesthetics you know uh, are you trying to sell a toy or are you you know presenting a title to the world like right uh but it it does have a lot to do with uh who's 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 carried it yeah i you agree know? and and how it's defended you know a belt that's an open challenge that anybody can just come out and have a fight for and that that 
champion has to like prove he's worth holding on to is far more interesting than the one held by a guy who shows up every six months and uh maybe puts it on the line yeah that's true yeah yeah that that to me touches it more into like you know ufc or boxing or something where somebody's training for a fight and if you were telling the storyline as that you know where you know i'm 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 the champion and i i'm gonna go away for eight weeks to build and train and prepare for this next fight that i've got coming up but that's not how it's told you know yeah it's 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 storylines where somebody's gone or the champ just doesn't feel like defending the belt or you know there's always some kind of cop out or whatever and then or you have your seven number one contender match you know to get to that title fight right and then and 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 in, and in contrast to a, to to say a title that can change on a moment's notice there 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 has to be a level of um like you have to constantly be working on your uh, your skill set, not only in terms of your wrestling, but also your mic skills, how you and how you work with the writers. Oh, yeah. Like you have, like because you know it, you, it, you're gonna it, be want you're gonna want to encourage. It depends on how they play it. I mean, WWE's done two titles in their history that were twenty four seven titles. One was the old hardcore champion. I remember the hardcore champ, and the hardcore champion was amazing. And then, yeah, because you could just be attacked. But, but they, then, you, you but could then be by a the hardcore time, champ, uh, by the time that it ended, though, it's essentially where the twenty four seven title is. Okay, is they're leaning farther into the comedy aspect of it mm. than they are the like brutality aspect of somebody could just come up behind you with a club and yeah, man. take you, the belt. Like, you could be on, you could be Monday right night raw and you could be, uh, uh, you'd be, you could be given a promo or an interview backstage. Dude, you knew if the, if the hardcore champ at the moment, the current hardcore champ was giving, uh, an interview backstage. Somebody was coming. Someone them. was coming up behind them with something. Oh yeah. And then, and it was usually pretty brutal and fun uh-huh. and some barbed wire, a piece of barbed wire fence or whatever. I think I remember correctly. Bar- barbed wire at bats and, and, you know, ladders and chairs and cookie trays and everything else you can think of the kitchen sink. Um, <laughs> yes, but, uh, it's, it's, it was a fun <laughs> because it was believable in that aspect of hardcore. And where they've gone with the new belt, the twenty four seven champion, uh, it's it's a first off, I love it in the concept that I know that our truth made it happen because Vince oh, loves our okay. truth. Gotcha. And our truth was like, let's do this because they make it look like a giant flavor flav clock. Like the, the championship, <laughs> it's this ugly green belt with this big like twenty four seven clock thing face on the front, and he just made a great joke out of it for like a year and a half. He's been he likes to call it the twenty four seven intercontinental heavyweight champion of uh three hundred sixty five days, and like he just makes up absurd absurdities. Like right. he just like carries it's a it's a fun 
belt. Like, it's fun. Okay. And so it just kind of, you know, there's they took away the seriousness of somebody coming up behind you. Like, it's it's a little more sneaky, silly fun. And I, I enjoyed that aspect of it, too, because, you know, it has its place. And it's definitely you have a serious promo, something going on, then you cut backstage further behind the scenes of that serious promo, and here's 24-7 champion walking up, and, you know a secret referee pops up and somebody else tries to take him down and it turns into a little funny moment, you know, kind of like breaks that, that tension. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's, I'll have, to, I'm going to have to get on the, uh, the old YouTubes and look up, uh, some 24 seven shit. Cause that, okay. that was a, that's brand new to me. That no, Yeah. No. It's, it's been out a year and I believe they've had, uh, like 35 or 40 different champions. <laughs> and I think our truths held it like, 30 times That's he, he always ends up with it back you know it's his i got you it's like it's his, his, so it has to it just cycles back to him right it's it's kind of like the joker and arthur arkham there's a uh a book that i got when i was younger that uh one of my favorite it's a short story book about joker and uh he makes a, a hilarious point about arkham uh arkham is his uh place to go and relax when he wants three meals a day and somebody to talk to. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, yeah. al- it's always a conscious choice for him to get captured and go back to Arkham. Well, you would think it would be, right? Yeah. You know, like it, the depths of insanity of that character, absolutely. Like he wouldn't just get caught. Oops. You know, it's it's typically because, oh, yeah, no, I'm done. I'm, I've had fun with the bat for a while. He's kind of triggered some things. I need to go. Get pampered and talk to somebody. You know, I'm with you. Um, I watched. Uh, I watched this last week's Dynamite. Finally made it on the AW. I was yeah. I mean, I I have like I said, I've had the calendar set. Yeah. Like I get a calendar invite every week, but but it starts at eight. Yeah. And that is kids' bedtime. Yeah. So it's. I it, yeah. by the time I'm I can watch it, it's I'm an hour into it and. So, but now that we've done this, I can watch it again because it's show prep. Oh, yeah. My wife will take yeah. care of the kids as long as I'm watching yeah. doing some stuff. Yeah, like uh, plus, it was hard. Well, and I, it was, I was trying to balance it, too, between um, that and that was the same night as the South Park uh, vaccination, vaccination special. special. I, I finally caught that. Which was fantastic. It was. It was pretty. Good. It was really it good. Was, it was. It was. Now, talk about conspiracy theories. It oh, was really good. Oh, it was, it was really good. Um. But uh, so what the the so I guessed it was during the mostly during the championship match. But I was I had it I had the, I had the volume down low, so I couldn't tell what it was. But I remember texting you because at a certain point it was right after a promo, that, or they interrupted a promo, is what it sounded like. They were doing they were cutting a promo or an interview, and then they cut back to a match that start had already started or whatever, and the audio sounded weird. Right, yeah. it sounded loud. I'm like, what am I listening to? What is with this crowd noise? What is going on? There's like 20 people. Yeah, you're like, it's it's something's off. It was loud, and, and it was like it. What they weren't even, and the the responses weren't it was, matching. No, I'm like, what is going on? And I text you. I'm like, this audio is. I don't know what's going on. I'm I'm you know. I, I, I was I'm sure work, you were at the pub. I was I was working, and so I don't have the audio on. Right, and then the later that night or the next morning. Uh, a buddy of mine who was also a wrestling fan 
um, was like, he said that I guess TNT had screwed up and they had um, piped in the NBA game, uh, the basketball games audio over, over dynamite. Uh, over dynamite. And so I was like, no, okay. I was like, that makes a lot more sense because but, it was, it was, there, it was, there was like a different crowd watching something different. I, 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 that's my one thing that I do feel bad is, uh, well, if they could get their production like tightened up, that's the only issue that I've seen them falter with. Right. From, from like from the moment they, they stepped out and announced to, 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 to today, like the only issue I've seen with them as a company is just minor production errors, like little things. And honestly, I would put up with that for a better wrestling product in, in total. Yeah. You know, if I have to sacrifice a little bit of production on something, I don't need lasers, like, you know, 3D imaging, like projections of symbols on, on an entrance ramp or a tank bringing my wrestler to the to the mm-hmm. ring like i don't need all that if what happens in between the ropes is the best yeah absolutely so here's here's something else that i've uh um that i've i've really come to enjoy about what AEW does and i agree i agree with the production value um for for a broadcast for for a, these are live right they're not pre-taped I believe they're pre-taping right now. Oh, okay. Just right now. Uh, but I don't believe it's like a, oh, we're going to go record three weeks and have time for post-production and fix this. I believe they're gotcha. like recording on, on on Wednesday afternoon or Tuesday sometime and then like sending it out. Okay, so it's not like, yeah, this happened three weeks ago kind of thing. No. Um so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not turned off by the production value too much. Like it looks, it looks all right. Uh, the broadcast, the broadcast quality in and of itself looks okay. It can definitely, they can definitely learn some things and I think they will. I, I think they will. Um, and I think when they prove like the, the ratings, they, they will definitely, you know, as, as they're gearing up for potential other shows and they have a second uh, they have a AEW dark show on YouTube. It's an hour long, like like Sunday Night Heat used to be back mm-hmm. back in the day. Like, oh, here's a bunch of C and D like list guys that are working their way up the ranks and trying to like get some some ring experience. And we're gonna you know record this for an hour before uh we film or go live to Dynamite, right? And then we'll just air this on YouTube later. So now they're adding a second show of that during the week on YouTube. Oh, good. So, but uh, on top of that, one of the things I really am enjoying, or one of the things I think is a really good move, and it kind of tells you that you have the right people running your organization, is I am a, I am in awe and I'm in, and I have mad amounts of respect for the way that Tony Khan reps his products, right? Like that dude is all over social media. He's not, he's not, uh, he's active with all of them. He's active about the full, he's active about the Jaguars. He's active about Fulham and he's really active about, he's he's, about AEW. Yeah. He's, he's, it doesn't seem, he doesn't, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not, 
it's not like this is the redheaded stepchild and it's like, oh, you own a professional wrestling, right? They, it's not like a bunch of, it's not just a bunch of stuff shirts looking down on him for that. He no. could care less. No, he couldn't. He, he couldn't he, care less. He will walk into an NFL meeting and talk about his AEW elite uh, in a minute. Sure. Absolutely. I get that and, sense and, from and him. Absolutely. I get the sense that, you know, if, if given, given the bragging rights and if they ever chose to, not that I say TNT ever would, but if they ever chose to truly, truly take it, if the if if the 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 moment was there to re-engage the Monday Night War and go after Raw and move to Monday nights on TNT, don't think for a minute that Tony Khan would shake himself, pat himself on the back, and shake everybody's hand in the building if AEW on a Monday night in ratings beat Jags on a Monday night football rating. Right. Like, I don't think he would be upset by that at, at all. Nope. I don't get that sense. I get no. that sense. To that him, all three, all three um, businesses are on the same plane. I would argue that he seems to have more energy for AEW than he does the others. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he's, you know, it's something he's definitely energized about and something that he definitely seems like he uh he's got more of a personal vested interest in as opposed to you know a familial you know responsibility right you know yeah he he'll do his duty and step up and 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 shake hands and and go to the press things for the the other companies he works with but I feel like this one's a little more his baby yeah absolutely and I like that and and to be and to be honest like you, you're going to be the GM, the the GM, the CEO uh, of this product. You know, it makes sense to to be that involved. Does he does he um, take a role like that um, on the broadcast or anything? Do you see the, the, the kind of like the way Vince is? No. Okay. No. So he's he's he, doing this all from the background. He 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 comes out. He has come out for moments, but they're more of like what you would expect the CEO of a company to come out and have his moment and just make a statement about something. He's not coming out and, Oh, I'm going to sign a match between you guys. Right. Oh, I'm going to, you know, fire you if you don't do this. No, he doesn't take any kind of approach like that. He'll come out there and be like, Hey, I appreciate you guys watching our product, you Mm know, uh, like that more. Like, yeah, it's, it's like a real genuine approach. You know, I'm I'm a fan of these guys. We're gonna put on a great show. Like, he's just a real dude from from everything I've seen about him. Okay, that's good to know. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, I I like that uh, he he sees all of his products as sort of on an equal playing field, and he's not ashamed of one, or it's not a redheaded stepchild, so to speak. Um, but okay, so the broadcast, uh, I only watched the second half of it, um, but I did see I saw a Moxley promo which uh i didn't get to listen to but i heard was incredible it was pretty good they're sitting there drinking booze yeah drinking booze and uh uh they they got to play off their end of the uh revolution explosion fiasco right yeah yeah they were talking about i'm I'm so glad you didn't get blown up Uh, i'm so (laughs) so glad um i do remember moxley saying there's something like that it was funny 
And then, then, because uh, I knew, because you had prepped me about the yeah. uh, about the barbed wire explosiony thing. Yeah, and, and then I, Kenny had his moment to come out and kind of make his explanation of things, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of, you know, I feel like sold off the the you know fail enough to where people can move on and talk about the the end of the episode of right Dynamite. yeah with uh with the with the what was this guy's name the guy uh, in the maxwell jacob friedman or mjf 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 yeah. the mjf double cross the the cross on the inner circle the uh the thing we've all been waiting for since january of last year okay now- uh, they start to tease his interest and and so so MJF in the beginning before they even started doing weekly dynamites, uh, the elite, uh, Cody Rhodes, Young Bucks, uh, uh, Cowboy. Oh, I just forgot his name, Adam. I'm gonna be useless. I'm I, sorry. I'm, oh no, it's totally fine. Um, anyways. The rest of the elite, uh, they did like a YouTube series called "Being the Elite," and okay. uh, they uh, would just do behind the scenes filming between shows and make a, their own segment story things. They didn't have an actual promotion at the time. They were in between New Japan and they're gearing up for something. It was the pre-announcement. Oh, being the elite, you got to watch being the elite. What are they doing? And uh, Kenny Omega and all them and, and their their friendship and oh what's going on? But they were all kind of segmented in character and and you know playing this this game back and forth. And MJF came in during that as like Cody's little buddy that Cody was just totally like sold on. And then every opportunity to the viewer, MJF would expose himself as the guy who's going to screw him over like <laughs> okay like i'm really like dick dastardly like playing playing my game cody's just too nice to see me like that right and so he's he's played that angle where he gets in good with somebody and then turns his back on him and, and turns heel okay so he did it by throwing the towel in on cody uh during a world heavyweight title match where if Cody lost, Cody could never challenge for the world heavyweight title again. And this is very beginning of, of early AEW. Okay. So you're talking about one of the guys who built the company is right, about to like right. get his one and only shot at the title and MJF throws in the towel during the match and oh gives up from him, gives up for him in the corner. Okay. And costs him the match. And kind of that was his heel turn, but it, it built into this like, oh, you can be unscrupulous and despicable just for your own own gains at any point. Right. He started planting that seed. So they built that all up into this him joining the inner circle of Chris Jericho and and uh ultimately what led to the betrayal this week. And who the gentleman with the uh with the baseball cap that Revealed that MJF was uh, trying to double cross Jericho. That's uh, Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is uh, 
It's interesting. He just came back. Apparently, a little backstage uh, scrum with Impact and his supposed role in uh, an episode over there, and he didn't want to play play fair, and so he kind of got put in the doghouse for a few weeks, and then I guess he he made good, and they brought him back this week. Oh, but, that's uh, Sammy. Sammy was a uh, was a dejected member that MJF slowly pushed out of mm. the inner circle uh, and used that opportunity. And Sammy came back as, hey, he's a bad dude. He just pushed me out. Right. I got to expose him for what he's really about. That makes sense. And then he's like, look, I got these guys. They're going to they're gonna join me. And as, as Jericho and Sammy are about to get the beat down, the guys turn around and they're like, no, MJF. You're going to get the beat down. That's right. And and MJF says, well, I was never trying to join your team. I've already built my own. Right. And the lights go out. And the FTR uh, and uh, there's that. There was Sean, that. Sean Spears mm-hmm. and Wardlow, who has uh, been kind of uh, MJF's bodyguard role character, uh Join the ring with the legendary Tully Blanchard from the Four Horsemen. Yep, and uh, pre- proceeded to beat down the Inner Circle and put a hurt down, and uh, proved to be some modern day Five Horsemen, <laughs> Six Horsemen, whatever they're going to call themselves, villainy, yeah. villainy stable. And then uh, yeah. Sean, Sean Spears, formerly um, Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger from WWE. Um, and FTR is another fantastic on the nose jab. They started wearing it on their tights in WWE before they joined a AW, and it started with an online like beef between the Young Bucks and the Revival. And FTR simply put, just means fuck the Revival. <laughs> and so now their their name is FTR. Oh, that's good. It's kind of how I, I really loved uh, Big Show's new AEW shirt that says "No More BS." That's funny. It's it's it is it is it's it's all tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's 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 you know it's funny and then gives you that throwback to that old Attitude Era of of wrestling t-shirts and want to like rep your favorite dudes and like, yeah, you know, um, one last one. I got one last thing from, uh, from AEW and then we can move on. Um, is that, uh, the sting? Is there, is there an inside joke I'm missing about stings interviews that it seemed like there were, it seems like sting never gets a, an opportunity to give an interview. That was kind of the joke that the guy that was trying to interview him was, because he kept getting it, he got interrupted. Uh, I, I think more is as classically, I guess Sting just didn't interview that that often. You know, I got gotcha. you. But and uh, that might be part of the. It may be part of the gag for that the they, gag they were going with. You okay, know, the the silent guy. But he he has had his his eras of interviews. The mysterious like crow-esque man of mm. of, of the you know. Uh, 
rafters era. Had yeah, ki- yeah. Ki- ki- kind of uh, flying in from the rafters. Flying in from the rafters has kind of uh, had its day, and they try to keep that uh, elusiveness about him. But you know, huh. um, one one last thing for oh. me about it: uh, Impact had their. Uh, pay-per-view over the weekend and their heavyweight champion tna heavyweight champion moose took on the impact heavyweight champion rich swan in a unification match rich swan won with as simon miller likes to put the most devastating move in all of wrestling um the camera clutch surprise roll up the surprise roll up the surprise roll up Give me a second. Oh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have no doubt, but as as soon as you see this, and 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 the oftenness that it's used in pro wrestling now is why he he mockingly calls it the most devastating move in professional wrestling. The surprise. <laughs> yeah, roller. yeah, I got you. I know what that is. It's 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 something that back back in our our old day of wrestling that you saw maybe like once or twice a year that some somebody would pull off and actually win with and uh now is all too commonplace that you get twice an episode on something where somebody wins with a surprise roll up so it's you know that's there's, fun. there's there's eras and we're in the surprise roll up era but uh the point of that is uh rich swan will now be uh heading on to take on kenny omega okay in a title for title battle for uh, AEW's world title All right. and Impact's titles, continuing Kenny's, you know, title hunt. Yeah. Well, this. Uh, okay, so that, that the winner, the winner will hold both the, both the, titles, both titles, and Kenny already uh, holds, uh, I believe, the U.S. title from AAA in Mexico. So he's already on his title hunt. Like, gotcha. Okay. You know, and they they're repairing their relationship with New Japan, so he may sneak over there after that. You know, interesting. So that's good. Did I see Jake the Snake Roberts? You did see Jake the Snake Roberts. Okay, Jake the Snake, DDP, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, all, saw Arn Anderson, all, yeah. all, all in the legend legendary back rolls of of AEW. Okay, they got some good minds back there. All right, I thought I wasn't crazy. I was like, no. I know that, and. I'll be honest. I like the way they did the snake pattern on his outfit that he was wearing. Oh, yeah. I thought it was. I thought that was a tasteful, uh, a tasteful throw to the to the the snake. The snake, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I was reading about the. We were talking last week about uh, reboots. Okay. And the concept of of why not making something completely different instead of just rebooting. Or at least rebooting with an interesting twist. Yeah, with a good take on it. Um, so I don't know if you've heard, but uh, one of our childhood uh, era classics is being remade. Um, the Wonder Years. Heard about the Wonder Years reboot. I don't know much about it. I don't know much. No, what I find most interesting about the, the reboot is that they're sticking with the time. Oh, so it is going to take place in, in, in the, the 60s. 60s. But 
It is following a entirely different family. Oh, from Lee Daniels. Okay. It's following an entirely different family, a a black family in Montgomery, Alabama, trying to make their years the wonder years during the 1960s. So it's going to give you an entirely different perspective than your typical average 60-fueled daydream, like late 60s docu-series that we've ever watched you know everything about suburban white folk in either california or new york they were very vague in the original series and never actually gave a specificity oh there was no there was no actual specificity of where they were at Mm -hmm. but they were always either new york or la there were california license plates in the background there and there was they were somewhere where um we uh, where this stuff could be affected like the, any of the the things of the zeitgeist were where it could affect the family yeah meanwhile you know some dude in rural indiana yeah wasn't what you know if the world if they took if they lived there or in milwaukee or, or wherever yeah they, they weren't they wouldn't have as um they wouldn't be as adjacent to or have near as much connection with no any of the the the, the zeitgeist of the time yeah so yeah, it would have to be one of those. I did find major it, metropolitans. Did find it interesting that uh, I was I was not aware of it at the time as I was just a child. But um, <laughs> that they released every year of the show twenty years to the day it was supposed to be. Twenty years of the year it was supposed to be. So it was nineteen sixty eight, the first season, and eighty eight, and they went to nineteen ninety three when they stopped the show in nineteen seventy three. So they kept it within a twenty year block. Oh, interesting! I didn't know that. But yeah, that's a reboot. I'm uh, curious to to get a look at. Yeah, going along with the reboots, I, uh, I'm or you know, I guess it's a reboot or whatever. But uh, you got. Uh, the uh, the old uh, Mortal Kombat. I'm so excited. <laughs> Except uh, for I, I want them to use the '90s movie soundtrack. Oh yeah, when Halcyon with Orbital and Shout Halcyon. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I haven't thought about. I man, I haven't thought about them since the Hacker soundtrack. Oh yeah. And at the, at the tail end of the original Mortal Kombat. That's so funny. Um, well, while you're digging in notes, I'm yeah, going to drop a couple quick other little things uh, I'm excited about before we uh, cut into your deep dive of Wanda after, oh, you, after, yes. after you find your note. Um, Justice League Snyder Cut is coming Thursday. That drops Thursday. Okay. Falcon and Winter Soldier come Friday. That's what I was, was going to ask about. The, that's the date. That's what I was going to look for. Um, it's Friday. Kevin Feige has confirmed that Wanda is moving to Doctor Strange 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, that sequels of movies and series on Disney Plus are potentially interchangeable now. So, uh, so instead of doing a sequel for a movie, they may take those characters from 
Ant-Man 2 and do an Ant-Man series and then bring them back into the MCU in Avengers X. Well, fuck um, it. I mean, that makes sense. So we're, use hey, the space. Yeah, explore the space. They're they like, they're, they're like, we're we're filming everything as if it's our one shot to film it, and we're not filming it with direct plans to sequelize or create a second season of things. But we are going to see where our characters land, and if they jump from their series to landing in a in a movie next, that may fit better. So that's just the model that we're rolling on hey that's fine that's fine it's no to the snyder cut uh kevin smith uh hosts a like little lead-in thing to it uh i don't know if he did it online or did it for hbo max but uh, i was watching fat man beyond his uh mark bernard's podcast and they were talking about it and uh he said that he can finally reveal that he has seen the snyder cut and it is beautiful Okay. He said it's it's a very well-paced four hours that he intended on. Four hours. It, it is. It's four hours. But he said, I fully intended on watching one hour and going to bed and getting up the next day and, and catching into it. But I sat there at five o'clock in the morning with the last episode finishing and going, all right, this this didn't, like, I didn't feel so they, like I so- needed to... So he he's doing it the way that uh, Quentin Tarantino released Hateful Eight on Netflix. So it's four one hour episodes. I believe that's how it's going to be. That's genius. Out. I love that. Yeah. I want I want more of that. Yeah. I wanted I want a director who uh, or a writer director. I want someone to write something long form yeah. that they could release on streaming in in one hour segments. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I yeah. love that. Yeah. <clears throat> I I'm it's it's Kevin said that fair. I don't imagine many people would sit down in a theater for four hours and try to like throttle down that movie. Yeah. They, they could because he's like, there's not a minute that like they don't stop like telling something. You know, they're working with this character. They give every character like plenty of time. They work on everybody and, and they really build a fun narrative telling a story. And uh, so I'm real excited about that coming this week. I did watch. Uh, Talking about reboot culture and making your money. I don't know why DC, uh, Kev, Kev likes to talk about, why don't you just give anybody who wants like $100,000 and let them put out a Batman movie every year? <laughs> like, why Why not? Like, why? And, and here's the argument for why not. Uh, the Bat and the Sun uh, channel that does like, Superpower Beatdown. Have you ever caught those? Mm-mm. It's a YouTube series where they like to pit your favorite pop culture, comic book, whatever characters against one another. So okay. Like Batman versus Wolverine or the Green Ranger versus Ryu from Street Fighter. Uh, but it's all like live action shorts. So they do they do study between, you know, uh, characters and powers and whatnot. And they kind of put together a lot of nerd arguments between them and then they get a, a vote out there and then right. and then however the vote goes they they film the little short to go along with it so 
you know, battle goes this way or that way. And at the end, you know, the vote says that, oh, Batman would win. So Batman takes down the, the guy in the short. It's a fun little thing. But they've done a few other like little actual short films because they have decent production and they have some good effects makeup guys and they have some good things. And so they released a, a 25 minute uh, Batman short film called Dying is Easy. And uh, they actually pick up uh, speaking of Tarantino, they actually pick up Michael Madsen <laughs> to play uh, Harvey Bullock in it. And they got uh, my old buddy Doug Jones to play Rid- <laughs> Riddler in a little clip. And uh, so it was, it's a fun little 25-minute fan film kind of thing. But it shows you that with the right people and the right love of the characters, why not make the money? throw that on hbo call it like batman black and white or something and you know make it an hour long or you know a a 40 minute serialized you know this director just wants to come in and tell a batman story yeah you know it doesn't have to be like canon of anything or we're gonna follow anything people just like the man and they want to watch the adventure you know exactly there's nothing wrong with that. I like the idea of doing different. Uh, I like that doing different directors, different writers, and uh, yeah, they they all the stories are independent from each other. They don't even have to connect. No, no. I, yeah, I get that. That'd be a lot of fun. I get that, and 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 to be fair, that is that is one of those things that we had been talking about over the last three weeks. Is those it, the one of the advantages that um, DC, uh, at least in at least in the way they're repping their their product um, or presenting it. Uh, they're, that's an advantage to them where they where they're like none of this is pre-planned yeah. um you know there's not phases and they're whatever they're you know they're they're gonna do what uh they're gonna do what they feel is the right moves yeah they definitely haven't painted themselves into a corner where if something steps off then then they feel like the the ship's gonna wreck you know right right there's not much of a, a ship in confidence. They're just like, uh, DC's going to do what they're going to do. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that gives them a tremendous advantage. Um, so yeah, I think I, I advantage may be the wrong word. I just mean, it gives them, there's an advantage to freedom. Oh, absolutely. That's, that is the advantage. And I don't mean, and I don't even mean an advantage over Marvel. No, I mean, in a way it is, I just mean it gives them independently an advantage of how to tell stories. Yeah. You know, everybody's concerned about, uh, you know, everybody really wants canon. Everybody does, you know, uh, you know, a lot of, and then the thing that was, so the, the thing with Marvel is it's so mainstream that it has to kind of lowest common denominator because the audience isn't, uh, I, I would think that the, the mainstream of the audience, um, well, let me let me pick somebody. Uh, I don't know, my like someone's parents, right? I don't mean like eighty year olds. My parents are eighties. I'm talking about like someone in their sixties. They don't have time. They have time to enjoy an Avengers movie. They don't have time to to go. Why is this Batman different than this Batman? Why are they whatever? Uh, oh, I mean, and it, it doesn't even generationally go. It goes down to. Uh, just your level of care. Uh, sure. Uh, one of my best friends, he's like a little brother. Uh, Adam, he, uh, we would go to the movies all the time, and I would be the outraged nerd going, 
oh, why did they do this? Why did they do that? Why didn't they do this? And he'd be like, dude, that movie was so much fun. Like, right. You know, right. there's there's an average viewer that that they do play to to a degree. And, you know, I feel like if they were... I, they they do have an advantage by not having it so calculated, so everything has to be part of like a set universe feeling that they can just go, hey, this is just totally for fun, right? Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about is that this is for fun, and I think that's a direct kind of path that they're going towards because. Uh, Snyder's come out and said that this is his last project with the DCU, so he's not going to be sequelizing and going into it, even though they they may very well be that perception by his cut of the film, and that may have been an intention at a time. It's no longer the path that they're choosing to go with. So I feel like, you know, they're they're opening themselves up and... Right. You know. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. Um, let's talk about WandaVision. Let's talk about WandaVision. Let's talk about WandaVision. Um, I've, I watched it all day. I spent all day watching it. No, not really all day. Come on now. Like the first, the first five episodes are like 30 minutes, 30 minutes. And then the last three or four, 45 minutes. So I didn't spend all day on it. You spent like five hours. Yeah. I mean, it was on, I was working, but I was watching, um, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I did. I, um, all of the, I, so when we first started this podcast, I'd only watched the first two episodes <clears throat> and I had very, I had conversations with people who started it. Um, a couple of friends of ours and then, um, a, an independent friend of mine. And they all said the same thing. They, they were, they, they were like, what am I watching? these first two episodes. Oh, I and I was like, I get it. I totally oh, 100%. do. 100%. But they clearly don't do anything really willy-nilly. No. There is there is careful planning. Yeah. So all the complaints I heard from people I talked to were the same ones I had. But they're like it was this, it was that. It was like I can't watch this sitcominess. And I was like, dude, I, trust me. I don't know what they're doing, but this is on purpose. It's it's not until I think three. Yeah, at the end of three that it breaks. Right. Um, and but I I I but I was like, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. I have the sense that they're doing this on purpose. Um, they're do they did they did a very good job with the aesthetic, which we've talked about before. I like that. Um, and boy, but boy, did I really enjoy the aesthetic as the decades progressed yes 100 percent um so you've got you know so you kind of you figure out that you basically figure out by the beginning of episode four that um the end of episode three beginning of episode four that that uh the geraldine uh who is inside the uh Inside the hex, which was clever because it was hexagonal, but it was also called a hex. hex yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll keep the the geometry uh, conspiracies of geometric shapes and magic. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, you find out that uh, 
what it's Monica Rambo. So the thing, okay. So the thing is, here's what I liked. All right. So I didn't actually, here's what I'm going to be honest about. So all spoilers aside, you should have watched it by now if you're listening to this. So basically as the series progresses, you find out that Wanda is having a full on mental breakdown and to deal with all the tragedy in her life and to deal with it, what she has done is hijacked an entire town, held them hostage under a spell, um, made outsiders not, uh, have, they were, they're not able to see the town. I found that funny. That scene yeah. with Jimmy Woo. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought that whole scene was really funny with the cops. Yeah. Um, we're from East Eastville. East, that, that sign clearly yeah, was Westville. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, but uh, so she's holding this whole town hostage and, and forcing them to uh, relive these sitcoms because that's how she related with her family when she was a kid watching American sitcoms in Sokovia. Anyway, um, and then, you know, Jimmy Woo from the FBI and Sword um, find, you know, find out that this town is that's what's going on. Um but uh, so there's 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 the whole of the story, right? For the most part, like that's what yeah. you need to know. That's like that's the that's the crux of what's going on. Yeah, Mis- in- mis- mystery in a town. Town has gone missing. Oh, Scarlet Witch is at the center. Exactly, exactly. So that's all, and she's so she's keeping them all there. And you have Sword, this new organization that Maria Rambo's mom, Monica Rambo, who was the best friend in Captain Marvel. Um, and she was the little girl in Captain Marvel. M- Monica's mom, Maria. Yeah, Maria Rambo. Yeah. Did I say that right? You flipped them. Oh, okay, okay. So Monica's the child. Yeah, Maria's the the, the mom. Um, who is Captain uh America or Captain America? Captain Marvel. Marvel's friend. Uh, she works for this organization now. It's called Sword. Um, but and and they're trying to trying to solve the mystery of the small town and try to break Scarlet Witches or break Wanda's hold on this town. There's your story. Set them free. Set the, and set the town free. There's your story. I, cool. This is the box that we're going to play in. I get that. However, I didn't find that box the most compelling part. I found, I found uh, the, the characters of Agent Wu, Monica, Monica, right? Yeah. And Darcy, way more compelling. I basically I found everything going on outside, outside of the hex way more compelling than what was going on inside. Once you figured out what was going on, yeah. Once they let you in on that secret, you go, okay, cool. So we've got a story going on here, o- only because there's more of a uh, intensity to what's going on outside, right? Yeah, the, the pace is way slower inside because they still have so much more to release uh, and build, and uh, you know, so much more to be exposed of what's actually happening. You know, Agatha's got a lot more tricks up her sleeve, mm-hmm. and, and and what she's gonna uh, really expose uh, Scarlet Witch to, and, right? And, exactly, and, and what what is the Scarlet Witch and and from there on, but they had to pace that out. And there's a lot more frenetic energy outside that kind of keeps your attention. Right. Because you have these, you have these people desperately trying to get in 
and solve this whole thing. Whereas like you pointed out, it's, it's almost like time is slower there. Right. So that being said, there's your story. That's what you got going on. It's like, they're stuck in a bubble. Yeah. Like a bubble, a hexagonal shaped bubble. Um, so, but the things I, I think, man, I was really floored by the attention to detail of the production designers and who anybody else involved in doing all the little decade shit. Oh, absolutely. Um, the thing I was most impressed with. Okay. So first of all, so well, let's take it decade by decade. Obviously you've got the fifties and sixties with the Dick Van Dyke show and the, and Mary to or, uh, uh, Dick Van Dyke and uh, I love Lucy. Those were clearly what those were. Dick Van Dyke. I love Lucy. And uh, yeah. Bewitched. Bewitched. There was definitely a bewitched, bewitched element to it. Bewitched element that that slid in a little more in the sixties, fifties. They yeah yeah. So uh, Dick Van Dyke though was definitely the fifties, and then it was bewitched for the sixties. Then you get into the seventies, and it's obviously things like Brady Bunch and 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 what yeah. have you, right? Yeah. Um, but then when you hit the eighties, that's when you go, oh man! Again, obviously being a kid in the eighties and going, you like I recognized every iteration um of the of the the television show aesthetics that they painted the the intro for the 80s was the one that floored me the most and we'll get there um so you had you have the 80s tv show uh element where you know it was all the clothes and whatever and the house the commercials were the great. commercials yeah absolutely okay so let's get into that too um or like wrap that into it so then you get into the 90s and it was it was definitely the the type of show that felt like, like Harriet the Spy, basically something on Nickelodeon or Disney or early Disney Junior. Yeah, uh, was the '90s show. Um, er, they, early Nick, early mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and or and and then clearly Malcolm in the Middle was an influence on okay. that uh, in that decade. Then you get into the 2000s, and she's doing, and it was it was it was it was the perfect. Modern family, that modern family con- camera shot. Exactly, so the single camera. Um, yeah, it, you, the you fourth wall break. You yeah, know. talking to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and th- and that episode, the episode where uh, um, <laughs> when Vision, when it when they're in the 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 circus truck, and they're at the light, and then it cuts to Vision sitting in the chair outside, and he's just like, it, it was it's, it's like it it they did such a good job of capturing those those feels. Oh yeah. Those the, like because I watched all these shows. The the eighties that had the hardcore growing pains. The eighties was the one. So yeah, to go back to it. So I want to get through the decades, and then we'll go back. The eighties was so perfect because it was equal parts growing pains and family ties, and then with an element of Full House. Just a touch. just a touch. Right, just right. It's right at the end. Right at the end. You had a, you had twins. They were oh, twins yeah. in a in a gazebo in a park. Oh, yeah. And you're like, that's that's full house. And but I get it's it's gets, we're just gonna touch on exactly. That. But so that that it was it was per, but it was perfect. It was a perfect fusion. I don't know, man. The painting, the the the, the watercolor painting thing was was straight up family ties. Oh yeah. The family the family portrait with the painting that's family oh, yeah. ties. The 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 growing up photos. Oh yeah. That's growing pains. One hundred percent. The music was growing pains. Okay. Absolutely. And then they just fuse those three together and weave this amazing intro for that episode that was 
phenomenal, and I was instantly transported back to my childhood. Yeah. Right? They did such a fantastic job copying all those elements. And and so it makes 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 me interested if you took took that series to your parents in their eighties with their connection to shows in the fifties and sixties and the seventies and the eighties. Like how would their nostalgia trigger hit? Mm-hmm. Like how would they feel watching through that? Yeah, I would even I mean, especially with the earlier ones, I would argue so like by the time by the time I came around, my parents were watching popular television yeah. shows at the time. They were, you know, uh they if they watched anything. I I, ve- I vaguely remember my dad watching anything serialized for entertainment. It was the news or CNN or whatever. Um but I would I would check in with my with my older siblings though. You know, oh, yeah. they're a decade older than me. Oh yeah, I would love to show them. I hope I hope they have watched it because I, I want to talk to them about it. We'd be like, Dude, how? What did this do? It was just, it was. How did, so, how did that make you feel? Exactly. It may, you know, I mean, it definitely made me feel older. Not not old. Not like I didn't go. I didn't go. Oh, I'm so old, right? But it's like I. It was. I have those moments way too often. Oh sure, but I, this was the first time they did that, and I didn't feel that way. No, absolutely because not. because here's because they didn't do that. Because the intent behind that was not to make you feel old. No. That's what I... Because the intent when you get to that last episode, or the second last episode, um, where you're going through her being uh, a child in Sokovia and you're, they're watching these DVDs. Yeah, you gotta... And you go, oh, this is why. Deeper. Which is why it was such a... The, it was almost like the story, the story dictated that it needed to be that good. The story dictated yeah. that those intros and those aesthetics and those feels needed to be on point because other, anything other than that, it was 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 being like, hey, remember when we did that? Remember when we wore parachute pants? Yeah. And that's not what they were going for. No, because it was it was scratching our nostalgia, but doing it through scratching her nostalgia. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so they made it a point that hey, we're yes, we are doing this, but mm-hmm. we're doing this because it is very developmental to the character, right? And there wasn't, and any of that, any of the 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 nostalgia or the throwbacks to the to the era were not overplayed. Again, it wasn't like hey, remember when we wore parachute pants or remember leggings? And when they did do it, it it worked. Like when, um, like they made Agatha wear all that stuff, and you're like, oh, okay. There's something. This aesthetic, like the house, oh, the ha- the '80s house was an '80s house, oh, yeah. but it wasn't like it wasn't kitschy, and it wasn't like, hey, remember? Here's a Rubik's cube, and remember Atari, and remember like there right was none before, of that. Right before they expose her, and they they like start tagging her in as the like '80s neighbor, right? That way. She definitely picked up the uh, the neighbor vibe from uh, Married with Children. <laughs> oh, absolutely! The Darcy, the yeah, Darcy. the Darcys, um, yeah, Marcy Darcy, Marcy and Darcy, uh, and Dar- yeah, Jefferson Darcy. He took her name. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, they were clearly doing that on purpose again because it was it was sentimental to her. Yeah. So it was obvious. So it was like, hey, we're we're looking at these things as sentimental, not as weren't we so dumb? Yeah. Like, like weren't trends oh, so dumb? Look, look at this. Look what we did back then. Exactly. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed the whole element. Now that being said, by the last episode, 
I wasn't really paying attention on that last one because by that time it was, all right, let's wrap this up. You know, not, I don't mean let's wrap it up as in let's get on with it. It was just clearly a third act episode, you know, and it's like, it did it because from three on, you start to lose that luster of just the episode. You have far more going on with the outside the hex situation. Right. And so that drives the desire to wrap up the inside the hex TV show fun and get to the the meat and bones of what you wanted to see happen between the inside and outside of the hex. Right. And to to come to a resolution with the town being freed and whatever. Yeah. And so definitely by that last episode, you're like, all right, we've, we've, we've blown through the decades. Let's, let's, let's resolve this. Right. So, um, so I, I was checked out. I didn't, I don't even, I don't even really know how it resolved except for the fact that I know that she traps Agatha as the nosy neighbor um, in the town and, you know, she can't, you know, she can't take her kids with her and can't take her vision, her vision of her version of vision with her outside the hex and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. And then she becomes Scarlet. She is Scarlet Witch, right? Um, Which which I have to say that transformation was badass that was really good that then that outfit was fantastic just yeah oh my god okay the mcu version of the scarlet yeah the, witch. the mcu version of the scarlet witch is is dynamite yeah dynamite um <laughs> that that was going back that is speaking of wardrobe that was something that made me laugh when 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 vision got when he was doing the modern family thing he's like in fact why am i sitting here and he takes the mic off his vision suit i chuckled out loud because it was just the idea. It was such the silly juxtaposition talking about, like we talked about earlier with like, I have suspended disbelief that you know, clearly this is a superhero, but a superhero unmiking a, like a real superhero unmiking himself from with a lapel mic. It just made me laugh. It's, I thought that was hilarious. And that's, that's, that's the best kind of, cause it was kind of clippy to it. Like you oh, could yeah. tell it was kind of rubbery. <clears throat> and so you're like, Oh my God, they like, this is fantastic. They, they, they don't care. That they, they did not care about that. Yeah. Like that was perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that being said, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it wrapped up clean. Obviously, you know, we got Spider-Man. This will lead into Spider-Man. You were somehow. checked out, but did you did you make it through the post credits of the WandaVision? Um, I, it was on. I let it roll all the way through. Hold on. The the first one is uh, Monica meeting up with somebody who reveals spoilers. We're already spoiling, anyways. Um. Wanda or Monica Rambo meeting with somebody uh, who reveals themselves to be Scroll and has some further things to discuss. Was that the uh, was that the chick that got uh, when she went to meet the the major? Was the major a Scroll? I think it was. I think it was her. Um, um, I didn't know. I got the sense though. And then uh, when she made the comment about you know it's not yeah. just her you know yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah which means which means there's clearly a tie to. Um, uh Nick Fury yeah coming with this this whole thing because which he's with them right now yeah yeah um oh shit that was the other thing real quick I'm so sorry uh uh I'm sorry it it was the other thing I wanted to point out um that I liked uh the the thing the other thing that I found compelling about the story outside of the story 
was there was there was a a layer of um I am compelled right now by any stories that deal with the blip. Yeah. I love that because there's because there's so many scenarios. So you see so like Monica when like when she reforms Arms. in the hospital, but it's yeah. been five years yeah. since she blipped. Uh or since she dusted. Yeah. And and it's and you know she, and and it was it's shit like it's it, you know you think about that there's so there's six and a half billion people in the world right yeah. let's say six from my math yeah. there's six billion people three billion of them just disappear just disappear and then come back five years later and there's so much that they have missed and the thing that was so compelling is that she when she when she's dusted her mom had just come out of cancer surgery. And while she's gone, her mom has died from her cancer, has succumbed to it, and she gets like years later. Yeah, though. like th- yeah, like three years. So she she three had years a, pr- three years. She had a moment of hope, right? That and her the, mom got to hold for a while. Yeah, but she and was then gone. She went back down the road, uh-huh. and she had a long and painful death, uh-huh. and, and, and she wasn't there for it she because was, she had been dusted. Yeah, and then when she blipped back, her mom had been dead for three years. Yeah, and so I just. There's something compelling about that. Not obviously hers, but that in general, that theme. That um, it's what it's kind of one of the things I love about Far From Home. Uh, they do it comedically, yeah. Um, but then watching them do it, watching it kind of from a dramatic angle was really good too. So I found, and then you know where, what sword is now. The comment from what's his name about how it's been it had been three weeks since everybody had blipped back, yeah. and she was the only one or the first one to report in, yeah, to like like nothing had happened or to work, right? So like things like that in the MC, like that what's going on in the timeline in 2023 right now yeah. is interesting to me, like oh, how absolutely. the world is dealing with the fact that um, people are now back. Uh, like I found, I just find it interesting that Sword was just like, all right, well these people are back, so we should just welcome them back. Right, and why shouldn't they? Right, well then, uh, unless then, budgets have been cut, and no, oh, then it's an ethical question. Well, where did you go? What have you been up to? Right, why it's did always you not age. Yeah, like, exactly. Or, or yeah, it's it's it, or it's it's going to be like that Homeland show. Yeah, yeah. How do we know that while you were gone, you didn't come back with different? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so I appreciate that they are approaching it with more of a you know joyous welcome return as opposed to going down our typical neo post 9-11 everything every time you disappear for a week you come back a criminal you know right exactly um okay so and then back to the post-credit scenes i'm just gonna i'm just gonna google them here so the the last one was uh scarlet witch in the cabin i did not see these then so which means i must have it was playing and i was doing something else yeah. like that i was working i had to have so that's right. that that to me is the real setup for the monica walks into a building but there is no other people present concerned she turns to the to the agent the person doesn't monica that she was sent by an old friend of your mother before revealing her true identity she's a scroll oh it's what's her name it was uh, what's her name from cat oh you wouldn't you you haven't watched captain marvel yet no all right, so that's so it's a spoiler for you. The 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 scroll that she ends up being is the 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 guy who you think is the bad guy in uh, in uh, it's her his wife uh, who ends up being at the end of Spider Man Far From Home. You find out that Nick Fury and yeah. Maria Hill have been these two. Yeah, so it's the one that was Maria uh, the whole time. Uh, that's who she reveals herself to be as a friend of her mom, which is true. Uh, 
Which I feel like... So so in the comics, they had a, a story arc, which I feel like is possible explanation of where they're headed with all of that. And it's a secret invasion where the scrolls essentially come in and take over a massive majority of human population. Uh, mutant she, superhero... So okay, sorry. It's totally a direct tie to Nick Fury. All right, because she says, "I see." I didn't watch this, but she's like, she says, "I heard you've been grounded," uh, and then he said, "She says he would like to meet with you," and points up. Uh, so she clearly is talking about uh, Nick Fury. Well, um, but so now I'm definitely gonna have to go watch Captain Marvel. Yeah, well, I mean, because that's what because that's at the yeah. end of uh, Far From Home too. Like yeah. he's on that scroll ship. Yeah. Uh, but proceed. I'm so sorry. I was very excited about that. Uh, but the the Wanda setup, uh, she's in a cabin, and it the projection of her in her normal clothes, just doing house duty, walking around, looking at the cabin, looking around things outside, and then the camera pans back into a bedroom, and the real Wanda, Scarlet Witch, is in her witch gear, and she's got the book. And she's just studying, doing some magic, learning, building. While her uh, in her normal clothes so is cleaning she's, the house? She's projecting herself out to just keep... Like a Doctor Strange shit. Like some Doctor That's Strange That's cool. Shit. Yeah, because they mentioned she mentions being power, more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, so she's on some Doctor Strange shit, just projecting herself out while she's still astral studying in her room. That's funny. I like that. So That's good. That's very much a Doctor Strange thing. Yeah, so it um, hypes me even more. For yeah, for yeah. So in the yeah, so Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to be great. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all how any and all of the all of the because Spider Man's coming out soon. The uh, end of this year. Oh, this is end of the. Oh, we had this conversation. Yeah, end of this. Year. I am sorry. I was under the impression it was going to be in the summer. No. Yes, Spider Man, No Way Home, end of this year. When we're all back in theaters, <laughs> sure. Um, I'm I, and, and I'm not. We probably will be, but I don't know. I mean, Texas is open, so. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we are here. I mean, uh, we're majority here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, maybe I'll see it in the theater. Maybe, I'm, I'm hoping they'll stick with the advanced, like the thirty dollar thing or whatever, where you watch it on Disney. I'd Plus. rather them stick to the HBO Max thing, where you just give it to me for a month. Yeah, for a month. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I can I can I can do with paying what I already pay and and get a, a dope movie for a month and then yeah and then wait six more months or a year to get it back. I'm okay with that. Right. I don't need to. Yeah. Exactly. I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I found I found up I I found that uh, yeah that uh, WandaVision tied up nice little bow. We uh, we have some you know. I am curious to see where they go with not vision. Right. What 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 the future of, you know, personalityless vision is going to be. The white vision. The white yeah. vision. Yeah, that was that was yeah, I was watched that was a part where I phased out too where they were fighting and old, you know, 
old vision has to like educate new vision it's like oh okay i know what we're doing i it's just i was just from i'm familiar there's been 27 fucking films i'm familiar with what we're doing at this moment right you know so like i felt that it was okay to tune out right know what they were doing it's that's also more of like an old school comic fan uh moment uh because white vision was a thing right yeah uh the west coast avengers period and vision's body was rebuilt by some unsavory character and uh you know turned against the adventures and uh so they 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 ripped that from the comics and and decided to play with it and do it in their own mcu way so mm-hmm. it was kind of more of a fun like fanboy throw right you know that makes sense We'll lob it as a cool story point that the people may want to follow along with, but for the people who really know what's happening, like that's a super geek out moment. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, and then the one other thing I want to mention. The other the other reason I found the uh specifically the Darcy and Agent Wu part compelling is they it was very another another smart writing technique in that they were they were replacements for the audience literally and figuratively. Oh, absolutely. That was that like when, when you find out that that was Darcy fig- watching them on the TV oh. and how to watch that, how to see inside the hex. And then you go, Oh, they're a surrogate for you because they start. And then they started asking like all, why is this happening? Why is they, this they, happening? They, and like, uh, we're, you know, that was, it was very clever because they knew that the audience was going to be asking the same things. Oh yeah. So it was almost, they were the surrogate audience, which was great. And they were the literal audience because they were watching it too. That's what's so funny about it. That's very meta. And I liked that. It is. It is. Um, I, I, uh, in, in the MCU connections, one of my favorite, uh, little sub cameos is the return of, uh, Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis. 100%. Just the right bit of what you needed right there Mm -hmm. to have her quirky fun yeah like you would spend three episodes not knowing what you're not a a getting frustrated yeah for the first episode and a half yeah um two starting and then and then in episode three starting to understand that things are not not what they seem something's going on right yeah and so to 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 get that introduction yeah from from meow meow yeah Yeah. from meow meow (laughs) um yeah, so you spent you spent let's say two and a half hours being like, "What am I watching?" And then they're like, "Hey, here's an hour of, here's an hour of comedy. Here's an hour of fun. Yeah, here's Just here's so. it's funny. You know, uh, all of her wit, all of her comments, all of it being funny, um, was was you know, it was the perfect time to interject it because if I had to watch one more episode, I I think everybody would have been like, "I'm I'm out. I'm, yeah, you, you yeah. can't do this to me forever." And yeah, so, um. It was well timed. Yeah, so I, I think that was I think that was good. It wrapped up in a nice, tidy little bow, um, prepping prepping for Spider Man and then Doctor Strange on that story arc. Um, and we'll see how how and if any of this fuses with any of the other stuff going on in the MCU coming out. Like, yeah, we've got. Uh, I totally forgot we were talking about their coming shows, and uh, we've mentioned Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki, but we have forgotten Forgot about Loki. The Hawkeye series. Hawkeye. Um which would be with uh what's her name? Um 
they're doing it. Jeremy Renner is attached, but also uh, Haley Haley Steinfeld. Haley, yeah, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. Right. So it's the yeah, it's the Kate Bishop Hawkeye. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I like both of them. Yeah. I think this will be good. It'll it'll be a fun. I think you know everybody wanted back in the day to get a uh, Black Widow Hawkeye adventure, but mm-hmm. you know they'll just do it with Hawkeye and Hawkeye Junior. Yeah, exactly. I think that'll be good. Yeah. Um, man, I knew I had something else. There was one other thing I wanted to. There's always one more thing that I keep thinking of, um, but I can't think of it. That's all right. I'll save it for next time. Um, but. Uh, you got anything else, or do you got you got your did, one did, more thing? Did Did you ever watch uh, Attack the Block? I know of the film, but I never saw it. Old Old John Boyega movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, Joe Cornish and and old Mister Boyega have been meeting and talking sequel. Oh, okay. It's been like ten plus years. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. But uh, I, it was a fun alien invasion, you know, streets of, of, of UK, like different kind of approach to it. So I'd be curious to see where the kid who went to Star Wars wants to take it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Sequel for Attack the Block. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. And then uh, I literally just watched a trailer that you got to check out uh, before we started called The Spine of Night. It's an animated feature that they're putting at South by Southwest right now. So when it actually drops, I'm not sure. But it's a, like, the animation is not like watching old heavy metal. Okay. It's not like the cleanest, like, but it's fantasy, gore, violence, telling a crazy storyline. But it's got Richard E. Grant. uh, I like Richard Grant. Yeah. uh, Lucy Lawless. Oh. Pat Oswalt and Joe Mangello as uh as the cast, so they got some some heavy hitters behind it. Yeah, I feel like it'd be a pretty fun little thing. Okay, from the trailer, and it's called what more time? It's called the Spine of Night. Spine of Night. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to watch that or watch the trailer at least. Not watch yeah, the watch film. the trailer and check it out. Oi. Okay. Cool. What's your uh, what's your what's your geek thing to be on the lookout for this week? Or, you know, check this out. Uh, geek, geek thing of the week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just I just saw that Kenner, Kenner's nicking our childhood again and, and going to drop out some, some Kenner classic Ghostbusters merch, uh, I think, in preparation for this. For the, that's right, I forgot about this that. This new Ghostbusters uh, flick we're going to get. We were supposed to get that last summer, right? We were supposed to get it last summer. And it's going to be uh, uh, Jason Reitman. Yes, right. Jason son, son of son of Ivan. Son of Jason. Ivan. Son of Ivan. Jason and Jason has had this story in his pocket for a good long hot minute, trying to get this made. So I'm excited. For I mean, yeah, I like I like everything about that. Yeah. Um, let's see what would my geek thing be for the week. Um, I'll tell you what my geek thing of the week is. I. Just when you thought it was just when you thought you couldn't add another streaming service. Paramount Network. Paramount Network. Former uh, formerly, formerly CBS, CBS All, All Access. Access. Yeah, yeah. So CBS All Access. Um if you're not subscribed to it, subscribe to it. If you're a child of the nineties, if you're an MTV, if you're of the MTV generation, 
Well, I mean, it's a Viacom package, so it's it's got probably a substantial amount of catalog of our youth. Yes, there there is. I um, let me tell you what I've done. Well, let me tell you what I've I've done in the last week with C or with CBS All Access with Paramount Network. I watched uh, all the episodes of Beavis and Butthead where the the Great Cornholio shows up. I watched especially especially the um the one that takes place in the coffee shop when he gets high on cappuccino because I I had that episode on a VHS tape that I taped off MTV when I was fifteen and watched incessantly incessantly um so I watched especially that one uh then I watched the episode of Ren and Stimpy with the Royal Canadian kil- uh, the Royal Canadian kilted yaksman oh what a great episode which is fantastic. Um, and then the I showed my kids the episode of SpongeBob SquarePants where um, SpongeBob, Squidward, and um, Patrick are shanghaied into the Flying Dutchman's crew. Paramount Network. It is worth it. Like who, it, who was the voice of the captain in that? Oh, uh, that was um, Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. Uh, 2001, I think, is that. So if you if you watched a lot of MTV or Nickelodeon or any of that between 1993 and 2004, as long as they have Hey Dude, I should I didn't I didn't look, <laughs> but man, they had boy did they have a lot. I'm sure they did. Boy did they have a lot. So it's 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 so many things of so many things. It's of so many things. Uh, we were talking about it and thinking about looking at Apple because they had something to to that I was looking at. I was mm. like, oh great, now we're gonna have to get Apple. And and now it's like but when you get on these you don't realize they're they're they hold the catalog of fifty years of the past, you know, television streaming experience and you're getting that catalog brought to you for the first time in a lot of these cases, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they had Hey Dude, but they did have Are You Afraid of the Dark? I'm going to see. And uh, yeah, they got Doug, the, the Inspector Gadget, Rugrats, yeah, the original Ren and Stimpy. Man, I'm just saying, yeah. That, uh, the, the classic era, All Real Monsters, I'm sure it's on there. I didn't see it, but that's not to say that it's not because I'm not in the app. I'm doing this through. Uh, I have it subscribed through Apple TV, wow. so I don't. They're separate. Like I have to search for that shit. It's find it's it. it's I yeah I get you. I have Showtime through Amazon. Yeah, so the way you got have to find the content is a little different. Yeah, but all right, cool. Well, that sounds good. We've been going at it for a while. Yeah. Again, we we went over on this one, yeah. uh, but I think we were just we were just wrapping the first ten minutes anyway, so yeah. we're good. But. Uh, Thank you for uh, thank you for coming. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. We will see everybody again next week. Uh we'll bye for now. Bye for now.